SheCast is brought to you by Modus Operandi Brewing. Based in Monavale on Sydney's Northern Beaches, one of Australia's best craft brewers, be sure to check the guys out in line or why not visit the brewery. Thank you to Modus for your support of the show. Well, we're through another round of awesome shoot shoot action. Had to be one of the wettest and muddiest uh, weekend in living memory. Certainly this uh, East Coast low and weather pattern we're having is uh, causing all sorts of dramas, but the footy's uh, been excellent and there's so much to talk about. Can't wait to get into this one. Andrew Swain from Stan Sports on board, as is Mark Cashman from Rugby News. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to Shootcast. Welcome to Shootcast, our round 13 review. Joining me on the line, as always, Andrew Swain from Stan Sport. How are you, Swainy? I'm very well, Burjo. Good to be back on the East Coast after a weekend in WA. Absolutely. Well, better weather over that side of, uh, of the country. It was magnificent. It was just sun was shining, it was perfect conditions and, uh, and a good result as well. Excellent. Uh, also on the line, I'm Mark Cashman from Rugby News. How are you, Casho? Fantastic. As um, as Rugby News said, it was a good day for Ducks over the weekend. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the way it is. And uh, I think it's going to be the same this coming weekend as well. Great day for Ducks. Also, we've got a special guest on the line tonight, uh, also from Rugby News, is uh, Sam Ryan. I guess we call you Casho's boss, do we, Sam? Don't know about that. I think Casho's the boss and I uh, I just get grumpy when uh, when I don't get the articles on time, it's, uh, as Casho will tell you. It's that, mate. Uh, yeah. Uh, thanks for having us. Oh, pleasure, mate. Now, we've got you on board because um, there's some special stuff coming up uh, for rugby news more broadly. Obviously, uh, an illustrious history with the competition uh, over so many years. Um, what have we got coming on board uh, for you guys, mate? Yes, yeah, so this year's actually 100 years of rugby news, dating back to our first season uh, in 1923. Uh, so this being the 100th season we've produced in, ni- in 2022. We're cel- celebrating our anniversary uh, we started about 18 months ago uh, trying to track down as many old editions as we, as we could um, and we scanned those, all, all of those old editions uh, to form a digital archives. Uh, we've then Brilliant. converted that into a coffee table style book, um, which is soon to be released. Uh, we've sort of tried to grab the best snippets from each decade, um, going all the way back to the 1920s. Um, and then wow. Uh, Casho, Norm Tasker, John Geddes and myself has uh, written a bunch of uh, short stories, I guess, to try and retell the history of the clubs, the competitions, uh, all the personalities and, um, yeah, a bit of the uh, the colour behind what is such a, uh, a fantastic competition, a fantastic community. Um, and, yeah, we're reasonably happy with how it's come together. Um, mm. We'll be launching the book later this month at a, uh, at a lunch um, in at Sofitel in on Sydney on Friday, July 29. Um, and, yeah, we'd love to see as many of you there as possible. Beautiful. That sounds fantastic. It must be quite a job to have sort of uh, got your hands on all those editions and try and compress it into, into a rugby table book. Uh, been challenging in that regard? Yeah, it has. Uh, it's been a marathon, that's for sure. Um, but I, it's been a really rewarding to not just track it down but to sort of collate the history and um, and try and pull as much of it in together. Um, I had hard copies of most editions going back to about the 70s, 
Um, mm-hmm. Then we've tracked down a heap of other editions at the State Library in the city in Sydney. Um, then we travelled down to Canberra and did a bit of work down there and tracked down the very first edition from May in 1923, which was uh, wow. pretty cool to find. Um, mm. And then we've also reached out to a lot of Shoot Shield fans and rugby fans that had collections themselves um, and have collated and have brought that in together um, as part of that. Um, and then from the book perspective, there was so much to go through and um, we couldn't obviously have as much in it as, as we would have liked. Um, but it was great to be able to lean on guys like Casho, obviously Norm Tasker, who um, I don't think he would have had to do a bit of research to write the chapters he wrote. He just, you know, mm. spins stories so well. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, it's been great to engage with so many different people and we'd really like to use this as an opportunity moving forward to, to re-engage with people that maybe we're not speaking to as much as a brand through yeah. rugby news um, yeah. and hopefully find a way to to help promote what we're doing moving forward. Sorry, Sam. Yeah, I was just going to say, mate, you obviously um, have read this book back to front 50 million times. What's your favourite yarn that you you stumbled across over the century of history that you had to go through? Oh, well, all Casho stuff's the best, as you know. <laughs> of course it is. Well, there's a lot of great rugby history, but there's it sort of, funnily enough, tracks sort of the times over the, obviously over the decades. We start with a lot of World War I um, history mm. and how the competitions and the clubs were pretty decimated by that. Um, that obviously pushed through to, through the Great Depression, um, Second World War, all the way through to, you know, Norm's got stories on apartheid and, and the South African tour. Um, in terms of club rugby stories, um, there's a brilliant one, which I won't completely spoil, um, but in short, uh, a ball boy from a ball boy from Gordon was banned for life for, from ball boying for hitting a player with a stick. And Norm's <laughs> going to read some of the story properly um, at the lunch, which you'll have to go to. But there's um, yeah, there's there's a lot of really quirky stuff in there. Um, there's I won't give too much away because obviously I'd love you all to uh, to grab a copy of the copy of the book and uh, and come along to the lunch. Um, but yeah, I guess the other side is is tracking the history of all the clubs and the competition and and how much the mm. competition has changed over the years. Um, yeah, has been really interesting, and I think rugby nuts and non rugby nuts, um, as I found, will we'll find some interest in it. And, and Sam, one of the things that that I've loved about it is from a lot of those early days, even some of the ads on the pages are, uh, are fantastic. You know, there's uh, sports uh, store ads uh, from George Street in the city, you know, uh, you know, ads for men's underwear, you know, <laughs> uh, you, you could get a, you could get uh, a, a long-term deposit at 8% at different times uh, during those sort of periods. So it's it, it tells a story of a different time, you know, a whole, whole different thing and, and rugby's rugby's the basis of it all, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. The, for whatever reason, there was a men's underwear ad in almost every edition for a good thirty or forty years, I think. So hopefully, they <laughs> sold some somewhere along the way. Um, yeah, you, they, if I wasn't so burnt from or buggered from doing this, I, there'd almost be a book in itself in just the advertising um, over the years. Um, and yeah, it's um, really interesting to see it change over time as well. Um, Norm, as well, to go back, um, was actually an editor of Rugby News in the 1960s. Um, so he writes a bit about what was involved with him putting the magazine together back then. Um, so, yeah, a lot of rugby and not specifically rugby-related history tied into it. 
Yeah, it's fascinating. I've seen some of those older uh, rugby news editions, and the level of detail in some of the match reporting is just unbelievable. They're, they're commenting on all the games and, and then all the play, and you know we, we like to do quick reviews and team lists, but um, been some amazing detail over the years, and, and good on you guys for, for putting it together. It's, a, it's an amazing uh, piece of work you, you, you've done. And um, So the lunch is, uh, remind me there, 29th of July. Where's 29th, that at? 29th of July at the Sofitel in Sydney. I heard Burjo was putting his hand up to organise a, a table of podcast listeners, which... Uh, <laughs> okay, we've got three. Oh, yeah. Did you oh, hear yeah. that yeah, on Barfly Buzz, right. Sam? Say again, mate. I said, did you hear that on Barfly Buzz by the Yeah, by the, could have, could have. Any chance, yeah. Somewhere along the lines. But no, we would. We'd love to see as many people there as possible. Um, it's been well supported by the majority of the clubs um, so yep. far. Um, we've got, yeah, we'll have a couple hundred people. Um, should be a good old-fashioned Sunday, a Friday Arvo rugby lunch. We've got Norm uh, Tasker, Simon Poitavan and Brett Papworth. Um, jumping up on a panel discussion, sort of spinning some yarns about the shoot shield over over obviously the hundred years. Um, we've also got Darren Coleman and Paulie uh, jumping up to do a recap on the Waratahs <laughs> season and also to preview the shoot shield finals, um, which will start uh, yeah about a week and a half after the lunch. Um, so yeah, it should be a good afternoon. We'd love to see as many of you there as possible, and um, yeah, look forward to it. Thanks, Sam. That's that's great. Thanks for jumping on board and uh, promoting the lunch um, and the book. And I'm sure everyone can get their hands on the book. Would the book be available at the lunch? And then where, where can Shoot Shield fans get a, get a copy? Yep. So from uh, late July, early August, the book will be available online through rugbynews.net.au. Um, we'll also be able to find it on our Facebook page. We'll be selling at Shoot Shield finals matches uh, throughout August um, and a few different spots. But uh, probably the best place would be to jump online through our Facebook page or our website um, and find more information there. Fantastic. All right, Sam, thanks for joining us tonight. And yes, uh, we'll see you around the traps. Appreciate your time. Moving along, uh, Swaney, mate, talk us through the weekend that was in Test Footy. So good to be back. Mate, you're right in the right in the uh, thrust of it. Give us yeah. give us the recap, mate. Oh, guys, it was a wonderful weekend over in Perth. I mean, got there on the um, on the Friday morning and uh, straight into the into the um, Optus Stadium, and it was looking a picture. Had to do a few things around the broadcast, and then back there on the uh, on the Saturday, nice and early, and uh, yeah, look. In terms of our broadcast, it was um, you know there were so many moving parts. It was a probably one of the biggest things I've ever been involved with, mm. um, and you know it all went pretty well. Uh, uh, you know until um, Quade Cooper did his calf in the warm up, and then we had to change everything we planned. Um, <laughs> we'd, we'd literally just interviewed him on the field, and uh, and then. Um, we'd done a bit of a chat around his head-to-head with Marcus Smith and we focused the camera on him and he's kind of, you know, limping around and, and not not real happy. And, and so he's out in the warm-up. It's, uh, you know, just drama-filled from there, I reckon. There was so much drama yeah, in that test. It was, real, uh, it was rugby reality TV, really, in, uh, in many respects because that whole thing just played out. And I think... Uh, Georgina Robinson in the Sydney Morning Herald just uh, just went through and uh, basically wrote a story off uh, off off the Stan Sport coverage, and it was just uh, absolutely riveting hour of television. That was just the pre-match. Yeah, exactly right. It was compelling, and then the game kicks off, and of course, you know, so much drama in that first half for the Wallabies, and then the fact that they come out in the second half and won the Test match, it, it's probably one of the 
one of the more famous victories by the Wallabies, I'd, I'd have to think. You know, I think back to that test in 2015 against Wales at the World Cup when they backed to the wall down to 13 men. Yeah. Um, but this, this in some respects, was far more dramatic. Um, and, you know, to come out and beat Eddie Jones's men like they did, uh, break that eight-match losing streak against England, yeah, it's one that will stick in the memories for a very long time. Yeah, lots of talking points out of the match. I mean, Rennie's big thing, um, he's certainly a really calm sort of a guy, isn't he? I think, uh, obviously, that paid dividends given all the chaos with uh, with Quay's withdrawal. Um, we had, obviously, Tom Banks's injury and then a red card. Um, but uh, it just seemed like the team was, was fine, dealt with every challenge really well, finished over the top. Don't know what Eddie Jones is talking about with the red card being an advantage to Australia. It was absolute. <laughs> Absolute rubbish, and um, yeah, look, I thought um, I thought it was a, it was a terrific second half. A few people whinging about the first half, second second half it all opened up. I didn't really care. I just wanted Australia to beat England, and we did. Um, whether the next game, I, I'm still pretty confident about this weekend. How about you, Kasha? Oh, oh, listen, I, I I think it's going to be uh, uh, one of those real tight sort of contests. I can't see either team really jumping out ahead. In, mm. in many respects, I think if if the Wallabies hadn't conceded those two tries at the death, yep. I think that scoreline would have been not a true indication of the way it actually went. England yep. were, and I think you'll agree with this, Swaney, were, were a bit clunky. The Wallabies probably were a bit clunky as well, but they took their opportunities, didn't they? Yeah, I think you're right, Casho. There was a couple of times... Um you know, throughout the match where, you know, Marcus Smith and Owen Farrell kind of got in each other's way a little bit. And and that kind of um, was telling, I think, that that combination probably hasn't quite gotten there yet. It's an identity crisis. They don't know what they want to do. They don't know if they want to, they don't want to run or they want to be conservative. Most people I know that watch the English side think they should be moving the ball a bit because they've got some some good players. That Arundel that came on scored a cracking try. I mean, mm. he's got to start. He'll start this week, surely. Yeah, you'd have to think so. Um, you know, he's one of the stars of that England young. You know, young stars of that England team up and coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, the Wallabies. I think once they worked out that, you know, they on the back of the hard work of Karevi and Corumbete, and they got so much pay out of their bench. Mm. You know, Pete Samu's footwork at the line to score that, was that try was something else, wasn't it? Um, yep. So, yeah, there was just some you know fleeting great moments from both sides, but particularly from the Wallabies in that sort of 13-minute period, and that just changed the game, and it was game over after that. And yeah. some leadership there from uh, Karevi as well. His sort of kicking game, I think, was, uh, you know, I've... I've, I've didn't know he had that in him, to be perfectly honest. And I think he didn't know he had it in him, to be perfectly honest. So he had consistently in the middle of the field. You know, a couple yeah. of shifts a bit wider, just to take a bit of pressure off Lola Sia, who was, uh, who was coming on at a uh, couple of minutes' notice. Yeah, you think about Martin Nonu, though. Remember, uh, you know, he was, a, was a, always started as a very destructive runner, but by the end of his test career, he had a fantastic kicking game. So it can really turn the defences around it's such a such a handy feature because you know I think England were prepared for Karevi to run all night, but at many times he didn't, and he, and he kicked effectively, which which worked uh, really well. But uh, we'll roll on to the second test this week. 
I see the Wallabies have drafted in another Manly Marlins, so it's just what you do, isn't it, Swaney? <laughs> yeah, why not? Hey, you just bring back Reese Hodge when you can. Um, um, that would make what four in the squad now? Four in the squad. I, yeah, whether he makes the match day squad, I'm not sure because uh, I think O'Connor's back, and I don't know. I mean, Kellaway looked pretty good at 15, so. Who knows? But, um, yeah, certainly the, the Manly Club had to pinch itself last week. Seeing three of our local bikes run around, was it was terrific. And, oh, and, uh, and one of the great debuts from Neville and Parecki, like they both played mm, the house down. They Actually, did. We've, uh, we've, we've got a story with Dave Parecki in this weekend's program, and we asked him specifically about his first line-out in Test footy. And, Spuddy, uh, you remember this, uh, Mario Toji and uh, and Johnny Hill yelling at the at, at the top of top of the voice and the uh, the referee James Dolman having to intervene and tell them to uh, shut up otherwise otherwise he's penalised them. So uh, Perex, uh, you know, laser accurate, bang, first one in, right to um, right to Darcy Swain. So uh, yeah, what 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 a debut! Great work. Just before we wrap it up, though, I do want to talk about one of the other great performances on Saturday night, and that was Burjo on social media dancing after England got beaten. It was one of the greats. It was a bit early. Uh, Fienga scored. We weren't quite clear by then, but uh, I could just sense it in my, va- in my, in my veins, mate. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the six or seven beers I'd had at the rugby and the four glass of red uh, just tipped me up for a dance. And I think... Uh, you know, there could be a round two on Saturday. I just love beating England. Sorry, you cannot beat anyone. As an Australian, there's no sweeter country to beat than England. I know the All Blacks will be sweet, but we kind of like the Kiwis. England, God, it's just yeah. nothing better. There's nothing better. Yeah. Now, Burjo, the amount of movement you've got in your hips there, you're obviously, yeah. um, you know, embarking on a yoga career because, <laughs> you know, you, you, look, uh, you look pretty flexible there, my friend. Yeah, well, uh, a bit sore still, so see <laughs> we go. Anyway, we'll get into the footy. Um, finally, uh, let's start at university. Probably the last team you want to play in these conditions is uni, and uh, they showed why. University 41, Eastern Suburbs 6, uh, uni platform just so strong, um, and they just played at the right end of the field. Uh, the scrum really dominated, and they were just too good for East Casher. Yeah, certainly. I, I watched uh, the mini-match on this one. Mitch Whiteley, the uh, uni captain, had a good game, as did Mitch Ryan, Jack McCalman. And, you know, it, it, when the times came for them to move the ball a bit, uni weren't afraid, weren't afraid to do that. But uh, it was essentially, and this is going to be a theme throughout each of the games that we talk about uh, uh, coming up now, it was a matter of getting the ball into the 25, going to line out, rolling more and uh, why they went or, you know, uh, yeah. put a bit of pressure on the scrum off the back and, uh, yeah, try it. So that, that that was the case of it. 10-6 at half time. I thought Archie Gavin, uh, Charlie Gamble played uh, played sort of quite well. But, uh, you know, Uni had all the answers on that one, didn't they? No, they certainly did. Um, it was sort of tight in that first half, but they just they just stick to what they do well and um, it was a really good performance uh, given the conditions. I mean, it's... Going to be hard this week to talk about most of the games because it was really uh, a pretty similar story across across all the matches, Swanee, in terms of tactics. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, we ran a little clip in uh, Clubland this week um, of 
some of the botched up kickoffs. Like I don't think a kickoff got six feet off the ground this weekend. I know. I know. Um, I know. So yeah, it was it was very tough. It was and it was one for the big men, wasn't it? Like the big men really dominated in this performance by uni. Um, and you know, it's actually probably the first weekend in a while that we've seen quite a few blowouts as well, right? Like there's quite a few decent scores put on teams. Um, mm. Yet it was such a horrible weekend in terms of conditions. So yeah, um, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it threw back to there, there was a clip floating around on on the socials this week uh, that Sydney Uni posted. There was a 2007 game on Uni well. number one which um, was very similar. It looked like uni number one swimming pool um, and the cricket pitch was just under three feet of water. Um, and these these were similar conditions, weren't they? Yeah. I remember that 2007 one. That was ridiculous. That, that had to – every other match was postponed, but that was the ABC match of the, match of the round and it went ahead. It was absolutely insane. But, and, um, and not only that, apparently Sydney were under water restrictions at that point as well. <laughs> Casho <laughs> – the beasties, mate. They're going to do it tough from here to make the finals. Yeah, listen, they're, uh, they're, they're they've got a bit of catching up to do, but uh, and you know they they probably won't see the likes of uh, their the Waratah contingent for uh, probably another month or so. So mm. I think the uh, the horse may well have bolted there, and uh, you know it's it's a bit of a shame that they're not going to be in and around the finals because they've obviously got the talent there to. Uh, to actually make a bit of carnage uh, in in that back end of the season, haven't, haven't they? So uh, they you know, do. Simon you know, put a whole new structure in there, and it's going to take time to gel. So perhaps it's going to be next year again for the Beasties. Yeah, I mean, I can't rule them out just yet, but you know, if they they just haven't strung any back to back wins, uh, have they, Swain? They just show no no consistency. That, that's exactly right, and you know that we're seeing the teams now. That are starting to emerge in that top eight, and you know, ninth the the hunter team is still a chance as well. But mm. um, yeah, you know, they're the ones that are actually stringing at least two wins together here and there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's pretty hard to, to string three wins together at the moment for, for most teams. But um, yeah, the, it's consistency now that'll get teams into the finals. Speaking of three-game streaks, the Woodies were on a three-game losing streak, uh, but they're back in the winner's circle. They had a win at home, uh, Eastwood 29, Hunter Wildfires 7. Uh, Woodies were in control for most of the game. I thought Bell had a really handy game at fly half. Uh, George Worth came up with a really nice try late on and, and then sort of Goodall wrapped it up. But uh, that was an important win uh, for the Woodies cash Benny Bat should be happy with that one. Yeah, as you said, three matches uh, they, they'd lost in a row. So, uh Good that uh, that they're able to get on the field up there at TG Milner. You know, similar similar conditions to what was happening at uh, at Uni Oval. So yeah, it was get the ball down the other end of the field. Uh, give give it to one, three, four, and five just to uh, just mm. to truck it up, and that's exactly what they did. Willie Biosi did well. Eddie, Ed Craig, James Whalen, Boone, and Granger were uh, were the big carriers. So you know they uh, they they. Uh, they went to the break, uh, I think, uh, not that far ahead of uh, the Hunter Wildfires. Ended up winning uh, 24-7. So, as you said, uh, good work from Chris Bell. Um, I thought Lachlan Shelley at fullback did uh, did some good stuff there and uh, those props uh, were carried carried the ball uh, really well and that's uh, that's what was needed uh, on, on that particular day. Hunter, uh, obviously, what wasn't there... Uh, 
was wasn't their their particular day, but uh, you know they they're still in the hunt for uh, a semi final uh, spot. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Hunter will be too upset, but it's funny they're sitting in ninth now because it just shows you how tight it is, sorry. Oh, absolutely! It's it's quite incredible. You know, they're only a point out of that that mm. eight. So you know, with Wicks on thirty three points, Hunter on thirty two points. Um, you know, Gordon thirty four, Toulouse thirty five. So like, it's, yeah, I know. It, you know, it's so tight, and it, it it'll only take one win to throw everyone back up. You know, into you know into contention. So uh, yeah, Hunter, they'd had a, had a pretty good run. That's kind yeah. of certainly halted their uh, their momentum, uh, and you know, I'm sure that they'll be um, looking to bounce back. Uh, this week against who have they got? The Two Blues. That'll be a cracking game, actually. Well, that'll That's be really a huge game next week against the Two Blues. Both those sides uh, were in the race for the eight, so uh, we'll be keen to see how that one progresses. Let's get on to the game where only Casho can tell us about because there was no television coverage. Uh, Northern Suburbs uh, game against the Pirates. Um, Casho, what happened, mate? There was a late change. North ended up winning 35-6, uh, to six, but uh, no North Sydney Oval. Uh, it was it was due due to be played at Tremoyne Oval, so uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, they, uh, they had to move it at quite uh, quite uh, late in the day to St Luke's, which is uh, just uh, across the road. And a lot of people would have warmed up there uh, over the years, but uh, they managed to uh, get first and reserves played, and it was just like the rest of Sydney. It was absolutely bucketing down, and obviously it was a day for uh, for, for the tight five. Apo Radawai uh, scored a try. Declan Carroll, Austin Carapa, and uh, man of the match was uh, Brad Hamopo. So uh, mm. I've, uh, I've I've only seen some you know, edited highlights of it. So uh, uh, you know, Norse uh, were, were quite lucky in that uh, Max Bury was uh, was was back in town. So a lot of those uh, a lot of those planks in the uh, the Norse run to the final are starting to come come back into place. Nathan Russell, I thought, uh, played uh, played pretty well, and uh, North sit only one point behind uh, the Manly Marlins uh, on the competition table at this stage. So uh, obviously, a pretty good tune up for uh, their big derby game this coming weekend against Gordon. Mm, no, they're, they're purring along nicely, uh, the Shawman. So just talk me through some of these guys. Uh, I know Turner's back, Bury's back. I did see they haven't made the Com Games team, so you'd think they'll be ready to uh, now. Fully focus on Norse uh, Premiership tilt. Um, who else we've got coming back? We've uh, got Sinclair due back soon. Uh, Times two, maybe. Well, uh, Angus Sinclair was due to uh, due to be back in round fifteen. James Turner is actually in that uh, in that wider squad for the uh, for the Commonwealth Games. So oh, congratulations to him. Max okay. Murray missed out on, uh, on 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 a spot there, but. Uh, so is there, uh, there was a team named. I didn't see tennis. There must be. There is a wider team. Is there? Maybe a squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There okay. actually is. So that's uh, that's good news for uh, for for Jimmy the Jet. So, uh, but uh, yeah, they'll, they'll get back. Angus Sinclair was due to come back in in round fifteen uh, from that uh, ankle surgery, and mm. uh, you know they'll, they'll they'll probably have Hugh once he uh, once he finishes with the uh, with the Australia Eight program over in Fiji. Coming back at some stage, probably after uh, a bit of a bit of a holiday break, which uh, they've, they've all, all got to take it uh, at some stage. So that that's going to beef up their uh, their tight five or back row wherever they want to play here. So uh, mm. listen, he's uh, 
He's tremendously experienced now. I think he's going to come back to North uh, a far better player too. So, uh, yeah, it's it's trucking along sort of nicely. Beautiful. Um, we'll move on. Uh, I was at Manly Oval for the Marlins win against Southern Districts, Manly 27, Southern District 7. Um, again, very similar trend to all the other games. Uh, it's just funny watching these games, Swaney. Blokes are just kicking balls down the middle of the pitch from, you know, 20, 30, 20 metres out from the try line, but just to put them in a bit of space, knowing the ball wasn't going to roll anywhere, just sit flat and then just then just bear down on the on the, on the the kick taker. A couple of times the ball stopped and then you actually yeah. saw it floating a little bit before someone actually got to it. It was yeah. it was that funny. Uh, and, and there was a great moment actually in that game. I don't know if you saw it, uh, where Manly uh, had, a, had a penalty early in the game, uh, lined it up, and as... Um, Valentini was lining up to kick it. Um, big Clement Fontaine, the, um, the Frenchy, the Frenchy in the second row, he actually goes down and puddles his hands into a puddle, like uh, cups his hands into a puddle and tries to clean his face with the muddy water. I was like, <laughs> "Where's the water boy?" Um, yeah, he, yeah, he sticks his hand into the mud and tries oh. to clean his face with it. But yeah, must be from rural France. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think the big the the big one for this match was was Fraser Tui's try at the end, wasn't it? Like that oh, was killer. Yeah, we were pining for that fourth try at the end. Huge, huge try for the team um, to uh, come up with a bonus point. So that puts them, you know, one point ahead up the top, and uh, you know that. It'll probably come down to bonus points, I reckon, for quite a few of these teams. So a good one to get. Yeah, no, great bonus points. What, what can you tell us about the, the Manly Marlins number 10, Kemu Valentini, who's, uh, who's Rob's elder brother? Mate, he, he, well, I, I first caught, he, uh, sort of caught a glimpse of him at Kaiama, and uh, he kicked absolutely every kick that day from the sideline um, in wet conditions drop kicking, and uh, I just thought his kicking game was unbelievable. He's been a really steady hand. Um, he just doesn't make too many mistakes. He play, he's got a very good out-of-hand kicking game. Um, his uh, goal kicking, his line kicking is excellent. Lately, last few weeks, he's been taking the line on, getting some good offloads. You've seen that Norse game. Uh, he showed quite a good running game. Um, he's been terrific, uh, really big part of um, sort of, Manly success this year. He's just he's just really unflustered. Um, he had a great game. Um, Mana Coco, uh, the number eight. He's probably proven to be one of the better ball runners in the shoot. Shield scored a great try and was sort of sort of everywhere. So yeah, look, the forward pack's um, been really really good. A um, couple of guys trickling back through injury, but you know there's still a bit of depth issue in, in some positions here or there. But who we get back is uh, sort of remains to be seen. Obviously. We've got Lange Gleeson and Lolokai Fiketi um, with the A's at the moment. Yeah. They should be, ba- should be back in a few weeks' time. I mean, I was rumoured we might get Reese Hodge, but uh, he's now back in Wallabies camp, so that's probably much more problematic. So we'll see. Um, they're, they're playing well enough, so, uh, you know, they'll be, in, they'll be in the mix certainly come final. So I think Manly now would be wanting to aim for the, a top two finish. I mean, top four, obviously, they want to consolidate the next couple of weeks, but... While it's there, you probably want to be in the top two positions, don't you, Swaney? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, that's that gives you the best possible chance, doesn't it? Going yeah. through those finals, so yeah, and I think they could probably do it. The, the run home isn't isn't as um, difficult as some of the other teams 
I think, isn't it, for, for Manly? The, who are they well, playing? it's sort of it, the next couple of weeks. You've got West this week and um, Hunter at home, mm. um, which you'd say would Manly would be favourites into both of those games. And then we go into the Derby at home. Um, then we've got Gordon away, which is looking like a tough fixture now, mm. and uh, Uni at home. So it's not that easy. I, I think I said last week I'd fancy Norse run in, but then again, if Uni just keep purring along, uh, I think there's still a, a number of teams that could finish in those top top positions. But certainly, given where Manly's been all season, they'd be shitty if they weren't fin- uh, up the top of the comp, I think, Casher. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, uh, I, I think any of those top four teams can finish on top. So, yep, yep. That, you know, obviously finishing first gives uh, gives that team, you know, a particular advantage, I think. But, uh, you know, uh, it's a whole new comp uh, with an 18 final series, really, isn't it? So uh, mm. we just have to see how that plays out. Let's talk about uh, who I think might be the form team in the comp at the moment, the Highlanders. Um Third, third, well, a bit hard to say form to the goal. There's certainly one of, I think, just the way they're playing and some of the players that are playing well, some big names. Uh, Gordon, 23, Ramwick, 13. Um, I thought the Stags scored some excellent tries late on. It was pretty tight, but they pushed away. Um, Gordon's scrum was clearly on top. Um, but Jacob Abel and uh, Joey Walton are forming a pretty good partnership uh, in the midfield. I thought Jacob Abel was excellent at 12. Yeah, uh, Mahi Valanu, I thought, uh, was uh, yeah. uh, played an integral part in, uh, in 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 that victory for the Highlanders. And Tom Horn, I thought, uh, played very well. He was uh, he was very abrasive, good at the line out, and uh, you know just did that uh, did that hard yakker around the field that you that you need to do on a on, on a wet weekend. So obviously his uh, school days. In Wellington, uh, you know, came uh, came to the fore there. So, Rory, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Reese Reese McDonald, I thought settled in well at number ten, and they're getting some pay out of uh, Harry Emery. So, uh, Emery's uh, Emery's going really well. Uh, he's been excellent in all the games I've seen. Jack McGregor made a return too. That's a handy pickup, uh, Casho. Yeah, yeah, very, very much so. You know, that gives some options at ten and fifteen, and. Uh, Probably center at a at a pinch there, and uh, his uh, his experience uh, at at the Western Force, I think, will uh, will help the uh, the Gordon Court. So uh, yeah, listen, all, all I needed to do is to uh, to make the finals, and uh, you know they're away, aren't they? Oh, they certainly are. I um I think they they're going really well. I think it sets up a uh, fascinating game this week um, against the Shawman. Um, should should be a great game. Ramwick, um, again, a bit like he's showing some inconsistencies, although they've been a little bit more consistent than the Beasties. I do think they are the better of the two sides. But, uh, yeah, I guess um, they're hanging around that that top eight. They are in eighth position, um, but certainly will be looking for a bit more consistency as uh, they head into the back end of the season, Swaney. Yeah, they're teetering, aren't they? It's, 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 it's one of those uh, tricky situations. And, you know, Gordon played with a lot of confidence and played with a lot of um, you know, like the like they had some enjoyment in the back end of that game. It kind of looked like Randwick in that last ten minutes. Once that try was scored, that kind of broke the deadlock. It was it was sort of game over. They fought for a little while, but mm. um, yeah, it was it, it's it's it was a pretty tough loss. I reckon that'd be pretty tough to swallow for Benny McCormack and and the coaching staff because 
Um, you've got to win those home games, don't you? And yeah, um, yeah, it was uh, you know watching Will Terry dive into the Randwick swimming pool at the end there. Um, <laughs> you know that that would have been a hard one to swallow for for the weeks, I'm sure. Mm. There was actually a game of Colts called off on the weekend. Uh, Manly playing South. Um, I think at Foreshore, one of the uh, areas uh, around one of the corner flags was about three feet underwater, and I think the referee was concerned of a drowning. So match got called off with about half an hour to go. Manly out in front and took the win. I um I played in a game um, <laughs> down at Willara Oval number two once playing a Judd Cup game where the referee got uh, the two forward packs together before and said, you know, you've got to look after each other. If someone's drowning, make sure you pull them up. Yeah, that actually happened. True story. Dear, oh dear. Yeah, it was um, certainly wet. All right, final game of the round and another impressive win for the two Blues. They've taken down the ring of Rats. Two Blues, 14. Rats, 10. Um, out at the Eric, the soggy Eric. That's my shit-ass male, fellas. Tom Curtis, he's back this week. I know. But you said he was gone. And has Cash, have you got any official word on the situation? Well, I, I, I only had a bum steer. Or I, no, 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 no. I, I spoke to Christian Burden, and uh, he wouldn't tell me the player involved, but he, but he did say that there's, uh, there's a bit of pressure from the Sale Sharks for some of these players to head back to, uh, uh, to the UK to start mm. their pre-season, which I think. Mm. Uh, I think started on Monday, so uh, it's been uh, late night phone calls and uh, you know a bit of negotiation about uh, about uh, an extension of a couple of their players. I think Curtis, in particular, that uh, that Solosi would uh, would would like to have on hand for uh, the, the rest of the season because he's just uh, he's just steering the ship around so so well, but. That, uh, that that is is the one that they're talking about. I think one of the props too. They're uh, they're keen to get a bit of uh, hard work into in in their off season up, up at the Sale Sharks. So uh, yeah, listen, Swaney, your uh, your your, your mail's pretty spot on. So uh, yeah, yeah, I apologise to my source in the next couple of weeks. So we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, I think uh, I think they're trying to strike a deal with uh, having Curtis here, but. Uh, all they'd, be doing, they'd be doing well to pull that off. Sydney lifestyle. They're going to yeah. flatten Bondi. They're, uh, they're, they're having a swim in the Pacific Ocean when it's, uh, you know, not But raining. also, if you're the sales sharks, wouldn't you want your players playing footy? Like it's only you, another... You so, wouldn't you? Yeah. It's only another six weeks. And, and if he's playing footy for six weeks instead of being, you know, in a pre-season just running laps in the, you know, north of the UK, like you're mm. probably better off playing footy, I reckon. Well, that, that was the whole point of all these players coming down here. That was the arrangement. A mm. lot of these guys, wider squad players in uh, in a professional organisation in, in the UK, come down here, get some, some you know, willing, good standard footy, consistent footy, and uh, and, and head back to the UK with, uh, you know, a better football or a better mindset about the whole thing. So, uh, listen, I, you know, I, I, I can see Curtis... Being a uh, a first team starter, I think uh, you know pretty soon uh, up there in the UK, and he has played England under eighteen, so he's on the radar there. Oh, he's got the pedigree. He was excellent again on the weekend. Um, certainly involved in uh, everything good about the two blues. Toddy Murphy had a great game um, for the two blues. I thought Casho and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a tight affair. Obviously, um, not a whole lot happening uh, in the second half. 
Um, uh, Rhett Butler scored a nice try though for the Ruddies, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, listen, he's uh, he's sort of come on uh, really, really well. I think he, uh, he he got the chance after um, after round one to come in, into the starting side, and he's just given given his number ten a, a bit more bit more time and space, and that's uh, that's made a hell of a difference to the Warringah uh, backline. So uh, good good to see him uh, going well there. Yes, um, well, I mean the Raddies will be a little bit disappointed, but. It's- Pretty tough to go out to the two blues and win these days. I'm glad Manly doesn't have to go back out there because they're a really good rugby side and um, certainly no uh, no disgrace losing to the two blues this season. They're going to be right in the mix. And uh, it was also Pacifica Day there, so uh, apparently yep. they had the uh, the Pacifica food trucks all there. So uh, listen, if you if you weren't watching the footy, you could uh, you could get your uh, your South Pacific treats uh, on the sideline. And there was a wonderful harker as well, pre-match. I don't know if you guys caught the vision of that. No, but, uh, they got right up in the face of the rats. It was, um, it was very good to watch. And yeah, I, I think you're right. Like it's no well, longer an upset two, the, watching the, the two blues. blues did a harker. No, not the two blues. No, I think it was some um, maybe some lower graders and some supporters okay. who did a harker um, nice. before before the game. Um, but I was just saying, like, it's no longer an upset, is it, losing to the two Blues? Like, it's, no, it hasn't, hasn't been for a few for yeah, a couple of months now. They, they, their form guide is as, as good as anyone's in the comp. They're um, sitting in, what are they, fifth position? Sixth, uh, sixth position. Sixth, sixth, sixth position. Yeah, so uh, they're firmly entrenched um, in the top eight. We'll have a quick look at the ladder. Marlins on top uh, on 50 points. Norse one behind on 49. Uni and Eastwood third and fourth. That's the top four. Manly, Norse, Uni, Eastwood. Um, the bottom four being Oringa and the Two Blues. A little bit of a gap from Rats to Two Blues. Six points despite the uh, win to the Two Blues on the weekend. Gordon there now uh, in seventh spot. So they've climbed a few positions in 34 points. And Ramick uh, occupies eighth spot in 33. Outside of the four, very close, uh, the wildfires, and a little bit further back, uh, east, and you could rule a line through south and west this season. So plenty still to play for, isn't there, boys? Yeah, yeah, two, uh, two right, and uh, uh, a couple of big derbies this uh, this coming weekend, North and Gordon, obviously. Uh, critical game, that Hunter Wildfires versus uh, Huge. the Blues. Warringah and Wanwick, you know, east and eastward. So... Uh, a lot on the line there. Mm. It's going to be a fascinating um, another round of fixtures this weekend. We don't have too many to go, boys. What one, two, five, five games left before finals. So uh, uh, make sure you check out all the footy this weekend. Swaney, got another busy weekend of Test rugby. Yeah, that's right. I get to stay up in um, the home state this year, guys, and and oh, sorry, this week and and watch. Mm. Uh, the Wallabies play at Suncorp Stadium, and we've got plenty. You might be drinking out of the Yellow Cup uh, in your lounge room this weekend. Yeah, could, could be, could be. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a party at my house. I reckon after if the Surely. Wallabies win, yeah. Surely, oh, the kids won't wake up. We'll be sweet. Um, Put the wife on notice. I've let her know. Uh, it's going to be well. Maybe we just stay on Caxton Street. That's probably a little safer. Yeah, I mean, the M- Maloney and Mertens don't drink much. <laughs> no, not at all. Oh God. <laughs> That'll clear out my um my non-existent cellar. Um, so yeah, I think uh I think it's going to be a big one this weekend though, guys. It's yeah, definitely you know we, there could be an Alamops Cup coming back to Australia. 
I hope so. I hope so. Casho, are you uh, getting out and about? You'll be at the, uh, the Derby uh, this weekend, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's uh, Legends Day at uh, North, so um, anybody who played 100 games for North uh, gets invited along to a, a luncheon and it's, uh, it's doubling up with, uh, with Ladies Day, apparently, at, uh, at North Sydney Oval. So we're all, we're all meeting at the, uh, at the Greens, which is just um, at, at the back of the hill at uh, North Sydney Oval and there and then toddling over before first grade. So uh, hopefully, uh, ho- hopefully we can head down to the rooms afterwards and uh, and listen to the first grade side uh, sing the victory song. Mm. Oh, well, uh, hopefully it's not too wet this weekend, but uh, still a bit of rain to come, but hopefully we'll be okay by the time the footy comes around. Thanks for this evening, boys, and I'll speak to you next week. Thanks, Virgin. Thank you.